All right. So uh, earlier this week, I think about Monday, uh, I did a blog post on LinkedIn. I have a bunch of them there. If you haven't checked out any, I mean, it's like over 40. Uh, look up Philip Washington Jr. Uh, on LinkedIn. But it was around you know how the economy works uh, based on two of the best books that I've written that I've read about the economy right I'll start with and it's a really good video I've watched how the economic machine works by Ray Dalio um, uh, the ascent of money and something something a debt crisis but the, I, I have them listed on the blog post uh, on LinkedIn so go check out the latest blog post on the on LinkedIn that I wrote uh, search Philip Washington and then look at my articles it's uh, how the economy works um, I also did a follow-up podcast yesterday um, going a little deeper on credit and how that uh, the interaction between credit and and the economy right so so this one uh, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, uh, similar topic, because once you have those two understandings, then people are like, well, hey, Philip, like, how do I use this uh, for investing? Where does this fit in the context of me and or my advisor, investment manager, wealth manager making investment decisions? And so, it, you know, everybody has their own style, but I'm, I'm giving you like some of the check marks that I go through uh, and what I'm looking at to fit that in the context of how I'm making decisions, right? So the first thing, and this is like money-making rule number one, you gotta understand the law of supply and demand, right? That's as simple as if it's a hot summer day and people are hot and sweaty and they got some money, but there's nobody around with water, the person who has the water is gonna clean up, right? So you're in a situation where uh, there's a high demand for what you have and a low number of suppliers, which means high profits for the supplier. Right? And so smart. So when you're looking for smart investors, and you as an investor will be smart, you want to look for opportunities where there's a low supply of money, right? Because you're supplying money if you're an investor. A low supply of money, um, you know, and, and a high and increasing demand um, uh, for those assets that you put your money into right so for example in 2009 10 11 12 there was a you know there were assets if you have money there were assets you can buy all over the place let's just pick one real estate right if you wanted to get into real estate and buy real estate as an investor at that point in time there was a low supply of real estate investors um, but a, but an ample supply of things to buy right so if you bought and held as the demand picked up for people who wanted to buy real estate, you cleaned up, right? Not because you're like way smarter than everybody, just you put you position yourself uh, where the supply and demand made sense, right? And you can map that out over all asset classes. And the cool part about investing in um, you know, stocks, bonds, com commodities, currencies, uh, is they're liquid. Like, you know, if you're invested in, and nothing against it, but if you're invested in private real estate, if you want to do a real estate deal, you know, across, you know, in Europe, like you got to go over there and do it, right? Or find an investor who can do it. Uh, you know, as far as there's stocks that you can look at everywhere, uh, currencies you can buy, you know, all over the globe, commodities you can buy all over the globe. Um, you can do it as an individual asset class through ETS. There's unlimited ways um, for you to buy it. So you can look over and 
look all around the world for where there's a some supply and demand um, is off, right? And so once you once you find out where the opportunity is, right? Um, you know, next step is is there money actually moving in that direction, right? And I'll stick with the real estate example. There's really cheap real estate, you know, south of 35, uh, outside, you know, going to Ennis, uh, Texas, and and out far, right? The problem is I don't know how much money is going there yet. I mean, eventually it'll go out that way. But, you know, you got to think about your time frame, right? And I may say, hey, my time frame is five, seven, ten years where I would like to position my money uh, where money is moving there. And, um, and there's way, there's better opportunities where there's value and money going there closer than uh, in this Texas in that example, right? So you want to say, where is it cheap? But I don't just want to buy it cheap and let my money sit there for a while. I want it to grow. So where is it cheap but there's money going into it, right? So you look at, so that narrows it down a little bit more, right? And this is, this, again, I'm using real estate, but this applies to stocks, bonds, currencies, commodities, like whatever you're investing in. So then solid financials, right? Solid financials are really, really important. People don't lend people with, people don't want to lend people uh, with bad credit uh, money. And I'm talking like, people who are just not going to pay it back, not, you know, lower credit scores, I mean bad credit. Same with your investments. You don't want to lend, you don't want to buy the bonds or the currency of a country that doesn't pay its bills or and very likely won't be able to pay its bills. Or you won't want to buy stock or ownership in the company um, that may go out of business uh, because their expenses might get higher than their um, income and or they might default on debt and have to file bankruptcy. So you got to pay attention to the financials, look at financial strength analyze that narrow it down further um, and then when you're looking at the globe right you want to look at and this is coming into the context of the four stages um, so once you've done those first three which you could do doesn't really matter at any stage then you look at all right what's the central what's the central bank policy right central banks are the ones that control the price of money and a lot of you know US has a central bank China has one Japan has one eurozone has one most of the major uh, um, countries have a central bank and what you're trying to do you're, what you want to do is say hey um, given the economic environment um, is are they pumping too much money into the system or too little money into the system and I'll have to go deeper on how you figure that out uh, but what you know is if your analysis says they're pumping too much into the system you know that's going to cause assets that um, are inflation hedges to do well like uh, precious metals, um, commodities, or the probability of that is high. Uh, commodities, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, there and you know, for also farmland that um, produces commodities and all that stuff, right? So, um, so you see what the central banks are doing. That gives you another little piece of information. Government policies are governments being um, are they attract? Are they putting policies in place that are going to attract money? Right, and this is not a political statement. It's just the rules of money, right? So, you know, in general, um, money does not like uh, centrally planned economies um, like socialism um, and communism. Right now, there's no country that has, you know, true uh, capitalism or true communism. Right, and you look at China, who's communist, but they've moved more towards capitalistic 
uh, type tendencies and they allow money to come in, right? So it's it's more nuanced than what's their actual deal. It's more, hey, are they respecting property rights, which is more towards capitalism? Um, is the state, can the state just take your money without, uh, you know, uh, without asking you, right? If, 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 which is, you know, more communist, more socialist, uh, and money doesn't, money doesn't really love that. Money doesn't, on the reverse end, money does not really love uh, populism, um, and, you know, closed borders, you know, a lot of tariffs, um, uh, you know, to protect the entrenched, um, which, you know, I'm, I'll go deeper into that, but you look at the, uh, is the government policy attracting uh, money, right? And it's all relative, right? Because a lot of governments are doing stupid stuff right now, but it's all who's stupider, right? You know, one country can get away with doing stupid things because other countries are being stupid. So you're always looking at relativity, right? So uh, we're the stupid countries and we're the least stupid countries. Um, and you're paying attention to, to that, right? And so once you have all that information, then you're looking at the stages, right? Early stage, you know, one, stimulation, two, normalization, three, the bubble or four party over right where where are we right now what is all your research that you just did say we currently are um and then based on um, asset prices government policy fed policy what's the next stage and what's the probability of us being closer to that stage and not closer to that stage and once you know it you can position right it's kind of like if you play dominoes you know, once you know the odds, right, if you, if you plan somebody and you got a bunch of money in your hands, you're like, hey, look, and watching them, the odds are I should probably just keep the score high, right, versus if you have not that much money and you assess that um, they might have a lot of money, you're like, hey, I need to keep the score low. You never really know, but you can assess the odds. So by doing your research, you can assess the odds of, hey, are we going to be in this day a little bit longer and are the opportunities here or are there, like, more opportunities in the next stage and this is just done and so you can reposition your portfolio um, to own the assets um, early that typically do better in the next stage, right? And then you gotta wait, because just because you do your analysis and you realize it, it may take the market a while, right? You know, uh, the market was expensive in 1998, like undisputedly expensive as far as US tech stocks, but for two more years, people kept putting their money into it and people who didn't participate in it looked real dumb. Um, until they didn't, when the bubble popped. Um, and so, just because you do your analysis right, you still gotta exercise patience uh, and just know that you're gonna get penalized, penalized meaning people who are still um, positioned strongly for that cycle, uh, regardless of risk, are very likely to do better than you, and so you have to have the patience and the humility to stick to your plan and uh, play accordingly, right? Going back to dominoes. Just because you play the right way, you may, you may play the hand right, doesn't mean you're going to win. Right? But if you do it consistently over time, uh, things typically uh, work out in dominoes and so far in markets. Uh, so again, I think for those of you who have not read the blog post on LinkedIn, how the economy works, I think it'll be helpful for you to read it to understand more about what I'm talking about here. Um, it'll fit so listen to this if you listen to it go back read it and then come back and watch this again I'll also upload this onto Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, in audio format if you like it uh, hey and I'm also 
um, Facebook has a feature and Instagram where I can just uh, you know put the links to my podcast directly in there, which is pretty cool. So let me know if you like it. But Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer for Stonehill Wealth Management, a registered investment advisory firm. This is for educational and informational purposes, not meant to be investment or financial advice. You need to seek your own counsel before getting uh, that kind of advice or making any decisions. There's no guarantee in investments, and that's what I've stated. Uh, so seek out wise counsel. Y'all enjoy your day.